from KZUM in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is Cinema Roundtable. My name is Stefan Decker, here with our regulars, Bo Pullman and Haley Kruger, and this is our inaugural podcast. Uh, Bo, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Bo. Uh, glad to be here, Stefan. Uh, Stefan and I host a radio show on KZUM called The Ism Machine. We've been doing that for about five and a half years um, the last couple of years, I've uh, become a big fan of film. Um, I've loved following uh, 2016 and this year so far uh, in film. I'm happy to be here uh, to talk about some films we've watched. And Haley? My name's Haley. What's up? I am pretty new to KZUM. I'm working as a videographer here, and I watch movies all the time because I work at the movie theater, and I also major in broadcasting production, so it kind of all goes hand in hand. And yeah, I agree. It's been a pretty good year for movies so far. Um, And I am Stefan. I, like Bo said, host the Ism Machine with him. Um, I am also a broadcast major, uh, so I I have a couple classes with Haley here and there. Um, We're almost done. Uh, Bo has been done for a little bit now. Yes, same program. <laughs> yeah, same program. So we've we've all uh, had a little bit of experience um, behind the camera as well. Um, and at this point, I think it's safe to say, because even though you haven't started your new job yet, Haley, you're going to be a videographer. So we're all professional, yeah. technically professional videographers. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about movies today. Um, and so... Um, for our inaugural podcast, inaugural podcast, we're going to talk about um, the summer movies of 2017 and then uh, a, a few more movies after that, just because we saw a lot of uh, good ones after that. And so I've got a list here um, that that at least one of us has seen all the movies on this list. And so we're going to talk about all of them um, just a little bit. Uh, and they're sort of in a rough chronological order. Um, and so the first one on the list is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And so um, I saw it I saw it in theaters. Did did everyone else catch I it while it was still there? Yes, I saw it in theaters. Yes, I, sure. s- I saw it on opening night. Um so what what did you guys what did you guys think when compared to the first one? I mean, I feel like you can't really top the first one. It was so unique and just cool to watch for me. The first time I saw it, I I went back, I think, two more times to see it. So the second one, I like obviously was expecting a lot, but I also knew it probably wouldn't add up in the same way, which it didn't for me personally, but it was still fun to watch for me, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I, I enjoyed the first one so much. It, uh, from the characters to the soundtrack to um, just how it did different things for the Marvel franchise, uh, it was amazing. And I went back and watched it again as well. And um, I was kind of lukewarm on the second one. Um, a lot of things to enjoy. I thought the second one overall was funnier. Like, I think I laughed out loud more at the second one. But um, the central story I didn't find to be that all that interesting. Um, I think we're going to go spoiler free here, so I don't want to talk about anything in particular. But um, yeah, I, I just thought the story was, was kind of more forgettable than the first one. It's hard to top that 
first one. I mean, it's it was so good. I mean, what do you think, Stefan? So I'm glad you mentioned the soundtrack. Um, so both of these have had fantastic soundtracks. Uh, and one of the things that stands out the most to me about Guardians 2 is the soundtrack. And I thought um, there, there were better songs on it. Maybe not overall a better soundtrack, but uh, there were there were some really powerful, powerful songs in there. Um, but the thing about Guardians 2, there's a couple things about Guardians 2 that uh, didn't really live up to what I was hoping for and that um, I watched the trailer uh, like a billion times, the one where Rocket's talking to Groot and he's, you know, Groot's just all cute and, you, you know, he's going to blow up everybody. I watched that a billion times, like... <laughs> And and that scene was even changed a little bit between the trailer and the movie. So I was it was, I mean that's that's the nature of trailers. But it was still a little bit of a letdown. And I know that's just such a small thing. Um, and then the other thing was just that because it's Guardians of the Galaxy, there's so many characters you have to develop, with, you know, in under two hours. And um, I think because they added just so many more characters than the first one, you you lose sort of that time to develop the characters. And so it, the whole thing felt a bit more hollow. Yeah, um, it felt, a, it felt a, a bit more disingenuine, I guess I would say. Like the first one felt like wholesome and fun and like these strangers just like come together and end up being, you know, lifelong friend, friends basically. And then... And this one, I felt like they were just franchising it more. Like, they played up the whole baby Groot thing way too much, in my opinion. I was like, we get it. Groot's a cute little baby twig. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, can we we get back to the story now? Like, I've been watching this twig for 10 minutes. But, yeah, that was kind of my, my biggest thing with it. Yeah, I don't know if it's a movie I'll, I'll see again, um, but... As far as where it stands and in, in sort of the, the pantheon of Marvel movies, it's probably somewhere in the middle for me. Like there are certainly worse films um, that Marvel's made. I, I just I think it was passable. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, overall I enjoyed it. I, I think it was still good. I, I obviously don't enjoy it as much as the first one, but of right. course I'll I'll pick it up when it comes out. Um, and I think I would anyways, even if it wasn't like part of my you know collecting kind of a thing that I do. <laughs> um, so yeah, overall good. Yeah. 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 Good. Good. Okay. So up next uh, on the chronological order, we have Alien Covenant. Who else saw this one? I did not. I saw it, and I actually watched all of the previous Alien movies except for I think the fourth Alien movie before seeing this one. Now, which so... which one's that one? Is that the one that has like Winona Ryder in it? It must be because I don't remember <laughs> Winona Ryder. Is that... <laughs> now, is Prometheus technically a prequel to this? Yes. Um, this is like a trilogy prequel. Oh, is there going to be another one? I feel like there's supposed to be one more, but I'm not positive that's a thing. I mean, it, wouldn't, I wouldn't, be surprised. it wouldn't surprise me if they did that. Um, so I also saw Alien Covenant, and I haven't seen the original Alien movies. Oh, what? Whoa. I know. Oh, um, they're so good. <laughs> we need to have a marathon, Stefan. Yeah. Well, a marathon that's fine. That's well, not tonight, but well, <laughs> sometime soon. No, no, I can't do you tonight. Can't I tonight. can't. No, no, no. I have to work tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I saw Alien Covenant and um 
not having seen the the original Aliens, um, I'm not quite as critical as most people are on Prometheus and Alien Covenant. And so if you, I think if you look at them as standalone from the original series, that they're not as bad as everyone says they are. Um, however, between Prometheus and Alien Covenant, there's there seem to be like a lot of plot holes just between the two of them. And and it's not like you know X Men level plot holes, but they're, they're still pretty bad. They're not rewriting, going back and like rewriting the story. Right. Yeah. So uh, that's that's my huge gripe with it is that there are a lot of like plot holes, just like. I think the plot holes and also just like the writing in general. I was like, meh, yeah. like very underwhelmed, especially near the end. Like no spoilers. But there's one part that I just like totally predicted like half an hour before it happened and it was supposed to be this big reveal and it just wasn't. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about, but it yeah, there was there was nothing, yeah, nothing really surprised me too much. Um and I I was talking to a friend about it and he was he was saying that the the bad thing about these movies is that um the the original alien series you you know you just had this like mystery about the aliens it's just like oh they're here and they're you know this destructive force um but then you've got prometheus and alien covenant coming out giving you a story about how the the what are they what are they called oh gosh i can't remember um but it but it tells you how like the aliens got there and you don't really need that story was his point yeah. Um, which makes a lot of sense to me. It kind of like takes away the incredible like destructive power behind what the aliens actually are. So overall, it, I thought it was fine. I would give it a solemn, solid meh. Solid meh. Yeah. I think you're that's... Not, you're not convincing me here that I should go see it. I was the only one who didn't see it. I mean, have you seen Prometheus? I didn't see Prometheus. Okay. No. So you're you would not... definitely need to see Prometheus. Yeah. So I think, that's a requirement it. to see this yeah. movie. I would say so. Okay. Yeah. There's the the main plot twist. You you won't if, yeah. you, don't, okay. if you don't see it. So. Gotcha. Cool. All right. All right. Man. Up next, Wonder Woman. Oh, I yes. saw that. I didn't see this one. Oh, what is wrong with you? I couldn't you are see so, it. You couldn't see it? I couldn't see it. Why like couldn't you, you see it? Because I didn't have time. Oh, okay. Oh, man. Um, do you want to start with this one? Okay. I, <laughs> I really loved Wonder Woman the first time I saw it because, like, the whole time I'm like, what a badass. <laughs> like, I haven't seen... Any type of superhero movie like that with, you know, a woman being the superhero. Like, we got pretty shorthanded with superhero films. I mean, we got the Halle Berry Catwoman. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, a long time not, ago. Yeah, yeah, like, that wasn't <laughs> ideal. And then, like, yeah. So I was super pumped basically seeing all these, like, super strong women together just, like, you know, and I didn't really know the backstory of Wonder Woman, so seeing her on like, what's the island she lives on? Yeah. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember. Yeah, but it's horrible, she basically but just I, like yeah. lives around like badass women her whole life, and then she, you know, comes to our world. It was like this is twisted. Like, <laughs> what is this mess? She's got that like golden veil over her yeah. eyes growing up. Uh, yeah, that's 
um, the way those women fight on that island is just unlike any other fighting you'll see in any other movie. It's so cool. It's awe-inspiring. Um, I saw this movie with my fiance, and she is not one who gets into action movies, like especially superhero movies. She doesn't movies. like superhero movies. I yeah. mean, she she appreciates superheroes for what they are, understands why people love them, but has never really connected with any of them because they're all these men, you know. Yeah. I went to this with her, and I think she enjoyed it as much, if not more, than I did. After the movie, she was talking about every scene, every scene that she liked. Um, there are just... I think this is a great movie, not only for movie lovers, but just for society and for girls growing up. Like to see a hero totally like agree. this, yeah. and and to have a hero like this to look up to. Um, uh, Gal Gadot, I think that's how you say her name. You know, I've heard it Gadot, and I've heard it Gadot. I've so, heard yeah. Gadot. I've, yeah, I've I've heard it both ways as well. Um, I'm going to say Gadot. You can say Gadot. That way, we have our bases covered. Uh, the the way she portrays a hero in this movie and how she just goes out of her way to help everybody that she sees is um, a great thing to see on film. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I think it's a, a great inspiration to um, women and something we've needed in the movies for a long time. Yeah, because I look back at other movies and I was like, why do I feel so pumped after watching this? Like, I've never felt this way after any other movie. And I was like, oh, I guess I've never experienced, like, a well-done female superhero movie. And so, yeah, it's kind of it's world-changing in that way for us ladies. Yeah. So, so after Superman Returns, after Superman vs. <laughs> Batman, and after Suicide Squad, are you looking forward to Justice League? Uh, well, Part, I want to be excited for Justice League, but I'm also very skeptical. I really like uh, Jason Momoa as Aquaman. I think that's going to be really cool. And obviously seeing Wonder Woman again, like, duh, like I'm going to swoon. But everything else, I'm just kind of like, I don't like I really don't need um, Ben Affleck in my life <laughs> in general, especially as Batman. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I I think there will be parts that are very enjoyable. I think there will be characters that are just like universally um, acclaimed and applauded. And I think there will be parts of that movie that just won't work um, just based on what happened in Batman versus Superman. Like that movie was just a mess uh, for many reasons. Um, We could go into a whole discussion on that movie, um, which would be interesting. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm mildly looking forward to it. I'm I'm hopeful for it. I hope it's a great movie. Obviously, like I want every movie that I see to be great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. I'm not I'm not super convinced it will be as amazing as Wonder Woman. Um, but at the same time, I didn't know how Wonder Woman would turn out before I saw it. I wasn't sure. And then the reviews started coming in, and that's when I started to get excited. Well, um, for those of you that don't know, including us in the room. Uh, Gal Gadot will be reprising her role in multiple films, uh, Justice League, Justice League Part 2, Wonder Woman 2, and it's announced that she's going to be in the Flash movie called Flashpoint. Oh, my God. Mm. So we're going to be seeing her a lot. Yes. Mm. Yes. Wow. Um, So we have that to look forward to. So overall, Wonder Woman... Obviously, Yay. great, very um, highly rated. <laughs> I, I will say the the third act. There's the confrontation with the villain, like the final showdown 
if you will. It's a bit cliche. It's mm-hmm. a bit, um, you know, we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, other than that, it's a dang near flawless movie for I me. I really like the actor who plays the villain, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember his name well, right we, now. Well, but to say his name would be Yeah, also a spoiler. Would be a spoiler. Yeah. So, but yeah, he was really good. Alrighty. Well, uh, on to the next one. It looks like um, The Mummy, and I think only one of us saw this. The Mummy was trash. <laughs> it was pure trash. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't even think I saw, I might have missed the first half of it because I was at work working at the movies. <laughs> I thought you were going to say asleep. <laughs> no. <laughs> I have done that with other movies, though. Uh, but, um,. For The Mummy, I think I showed up like half an hour late or something because I was closing and then I was like, oh, I'll just join my friends in this movie. Probably am not missing much. And I walk in. I was like, all right, what happened? They're like, really not a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, all right. And it turned out I really didn't need to see the beginning. I wasn't lost at all. I was like, okay, nothing important has happened ever here. And, uh, yeah, I just think you can't really mask poor writing. Like, so there's Tom Cruise, and then there's this, like, female lead character who I can't remember the actress's name. I feel like she's kind of new. But uh, their chemistry is just, like, so, like, gross and, like, not even, like, real. And there was just these, like, weird shots where they would, like, sexualize her in this like totally unnecessary way like one time they're in this like war plane and she's like reaching up to like put her bag above her or something and they zoom in on her stomach showing Mm. and like it's like the complete opposite of what you see in wonder woman yeah complete opposite and you're just like what you never see gal gadot's cleavage like exposed in a huge way like uh, anyway, not to go back on Wonder Woman and how <laughs> awesome it is, but yeah, just stark contrast there. Yeah, and they're like, they tried witty banter, but it really didn't work. It just sounded stupid and just annoying. And I remember I saw it with my boyfriend, and he's also a big film buff. And so the whole time we just kind of like glanced at each <laughs> other like this prick. Like, we can't, <laughs> we can't, I couldn't deal with it. I just couldn't deal. <laughs> Okay, so um, there's there's one character that's going to be tying this whole dark universe together, um, and he appears in the film. Is this terrible? Like, is this character showing up multiple times just going to be a huge drag? Is it? It's Russell Crowe's character. Okay. Yeah. So when he shows up, you're just kind of like, okay. like literally my yeah my reaction i'm like this is just completely unnecessary it doesn't make sense it doesn't tie in together this plot Mm. is like pure honestly that's a shame i like i like him i like russell crowe i know i like him too i feel like um this might have been a bad decision Mm. though does it can't back out on does it feel like it's the base for a new universe because they're doing kind of like the Marvel thing, they're but with trying. the monsters. They're trying, but I don't know if they can pull it off. Like, whatever the next movie is, they really need to make it a good one. Because okay. this mummy thing was just a mess. Like, no. 
So mm-hmm. overall, there's more planned in the works. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So I'm like, good job. Have to see those at some point. What What's the What's the like Rotten Tomatoes score? I think what, it what was are pretty bad. Saying? We've We've got a Metacritic score of 34 and a Rotten Tomatoes of 16. Wow. Not that's that a that's... lot worse than I thought. Wow. I thought it was like 30. That's that's worse than another one that we're going to talk about later um, <laughs> that, that we all know is pretty bad. And um, it's not the Emoji Movie. Or is it? I did no. not see I don't think any of us saw that. <laughs> <I didn't> see. <laughs> yeah. Some almost, of us are smarter. I almost wanted to see it just as like yeah. almost a novelty viewing. Like, hey, I saw probably the worst movie that came out this <laughs> summer. But it also might have been The Mummy. So I'm not sure. Like, there's a, there's a lot of bad stuff in addition to the good stuff. Well... Speaking of bad stuff, we're going to move on to the next one. Wait, which is um, Oh, it actually has the same rating. Um, Transformers, <laughs> The Last Night. I did not see this. Oh, no. You two, take it away. Um, take it away. It, Haley, you might want to start. Let me grab I've, my popcorn. I've got a lot of words. All right, so this one as well, I missed the first half of it. I missed at least the first hour. And I met my friends in the theater. I was like, all right, we're just going to watch this train wreck because I knew I wasn't going to like it because I don't like Michael Bay. And, yeah, I walked in, and, again, I didn't miss much. Mark Wahlberg was present (laughs) 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 for some reason. That's a good way to put it. I think my – I had several beefs with it, kind of similar – things to the mummy to where they just like unnecessarily over sexualized certain characters and you're just like that doesn't even benefit the story at all like this is pointless it's awkward and then they also have like this weird robot who is like supposed to be like a sociopathic robot or something and he just like is very violent but like the way they wrote him, they tried to make him look cool, and I'm like, no, he's a psycho. Like he's a, <laughs> like I I can just imagine like ten year old boys watching this and being like, oh yeah, it's cool to kick animals, like <laughs> stuff like that. Like just <laughs> becoming assholes because of this one movie. And uh, oh, there was something else that really bothered me, but I can't think of what it is right now. So you can. Okay, go so um, I'm I'm a huge Transformers fan. That doesn't mean that I'm a huge Transformers movie fan. Um, I would say most of my disposable income actually goes toward Transformers toys. Um, so obviously I saw it, uh, and I was always going to see it. Um, but yeah, it's, it was bad. It was just a bad movie and they, they have been, um, I'm a little more lenient than probably the general public is, but they're just, they're not good. Um, and especially since I think Mark Wahlberg has been in them and I don't necessarily think he has that much to do with it. I just think the movies are bad now. Um, the interesting thing I think, um, is that, Transformers The Last Night, the most recent one, um, is rated even lower than Transformers 4, Age of Extinction. I did not see that one, so... I think that one is way worse. Okay. Personally, I think that one is just terrible. They both look bad to me. Yeah, well, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The... Yeah, there's there's just... (sighs) I think most people go see them for... Obviously, like, the special effects and stuff like that. And then plot-wise, we're just not expecting much. I know. Like, you can't. It's just so... It's sad. I... Also, 
Anthony Hopkins was in this one. Which is weird. And, he, and, and he's such a renowned actor. And I was like, why are you in a Michael Bay film? And like, stupid low. I was like, get out. Yeah. And he was really proud of it, too. Like, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Michael Bay is a genius. I'm like, well, he, this is oh, like, He's is senile. He? He's, he's losing his mind. Yeah. He's old now. He needs, no, I love Anthony Hopkins. I just... He was great in Westworld. He's doing like lots yeah. of lots of great stuff recently. It's just kind of baffling that he chose this project. Maybe it was like his passion project. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you just, know, we yeah. all get one. Maybe yeah, just to be able to say, hey, I've worked with Michael Bay, a director that everyone knows. I mean, it's <laughs> now just a, I can die a happy a, man. <laughs> yeah. So and, there. And, oh, man, we had uh, we had Jim Carter who uh, was in. Um, gosh, what's that show called? Uh, Downton Abbey, yeah, and he played the voice of Cogman, and oh, oh, oh my gosh, yeah. I didn't even realize that. I I recognize the voice. I'm like, oh, well, that's too bad that you're in this movie. Yeah, I love but... that show. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like very bummed. Yeah, it's uh, what a downer movie, like just in general. <laughs> and uh, we finally had Steve Buscemi as one of the Transformers, even though what? there's been a Transformer that sounds like Steve Buscemi. Uh, in previous was, movies, hmm. um, it has not been him, but uh, it's actually been Tom Kenny. I guess Tom Kenny does a good hmm. Steve Buscemi esque um, <laughs> imitation. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> you never, I never thought I would hear that term. Not Steve <laughs> so I, I saw the first three Transformers, and yeah, after that, after that third one. I was like, I'm done. I'm not watching this shit anymore. I yeah. cannot do it. And especially when I heard that they were, you know, Mark Wahlberg is part of the cast. And I heard how bad the reviews are. And then I heard about this fifth one. It's like, no, I'm not watching the fourth one. No, I'm done. Yeah. So overall, would you say I should never touch these most recent two? You don't need to. You don't yeah, need to. No. If, if, you, if you didn't like three, which I liked three. I liked one and three a lot. So one is not a bad movie. I, I've always had a tough time with these movies because I don't care for the action. I think it's like yeah. too close it's, and fast. Yeah, a little I can't much. tell what's going on. The first one, I mean, as a singular movie, as a, as a standalone experience, I think it's not bad. Like yeah. I, I think it's it's a fine movie. I mm-hmm. mean, even good. Uh, but the second and third ones just really lost me. And I've never been a huge Transformers fan either. Mm-hmm. So... And Michael Bay's never been my favorite director, so it's just never been the right combination for me. Yeah, I think I think two, four, and five are very, very bad movies. Um, the only the only good thing to come out of Transformers Five is that the Transformers movie toys are actually good again. Um, Hallelujah! <laughs> Praise be. Like the movies for right four and you. three were just chunks of plastic, <laughs> and they looked bad. They just were not. Not a good time. Um, so yeah, overall, not not good. Yeah, mm, shite. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't see it if you don't have an obligation. All right, up next, Baby Driver. I did not get a chance to see this one. I, I saw, saw it. it. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> ah, dang it! Yes. The first of many, I'm sure. <laughs> that means that Haley gets to talk about it first. Oh snap! Baby Driver was. A very fun experience, I think. The cast was really cool. It's a really like star-studded cast, I would say. But anything with like Kevin Spacey in general, I'm gonna be excited about because he's amazing. Um, I thought it was interesting. They were like Romeo and Juliet vibes going on, and then they just tried like modernizing it. And 
the way they use the soundtrack, like the entire movie, it was almost like an action musical, which I thought was really cool and different. Um, and also, uh, John Hamm was fantastic. He's one of the supporting roles in this movie, and uh, he was probably my favorite character in this whole movie. Yeah, like, he's, he's like kind of a a weird like mysterious greaser kind of guy and he just has uh, yeah he his character goes through an arc in the film that's very interesting for Mm -hmm. sure yeah and I just I don't I think the thing for me I really liked the majority of this movie but I think just the two main characters you know baby and his girlfriend I can't remember her name um she's played by Lily James I know is the actress um, her name was Deborah. Deborah. Yeah. yeah, those two characters were just kind of not that interesting to me, but I also think they were supposed to be like the two pure things of this world in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I got it. But yeah, I thought it was a really good movie. It was a fun time. Yeah, it's um you know, it's hard to watch this movie without comparing it to Edgar Wright's other films. So I think of like Shaun of the Dead and um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World and all these all these movies that are, are really stylized that he's known for. And I found that this movie was very Edgar Wrighty in places, if you kind of catch my drift, like that style that you're used to. And then in other places, kind of tonally seemed like it it couldn't quite find its footing. Like it was trying to try new things or things that we already know, stepping away from the signature Edgar Wright stuff, but not always a- accomplishing it for me. Uh, however, still a very fun experience, like you said, Haley. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music, um, the way things are choreographed in this movie is unlike anything else I've seen. Um, you can go online and watch the first like five or six minutes of this movie, which is a, um, a car chase that is awesomely choreographed. And every part of that scene is synced up in some way to the music. Like there's Baby, played by Ansel Elgort, he rolls up to the, this bank that they're robbing, and you see um, you see John Hamm, you see uh, the whole crew in the car. One guy's smack uh, John Bernthal's character, I believe, is smacking on gum, and this his smacking is to the beat yeah. of the song. <laughs> and you so just precise. and that that's in like the first couple seconds of the movie, and you just know, okay, this is something that's kind of special. Um, yeah, it there's a great opening sequence in this in this movie that I don't think the film ever reaches that level again after yeah. that opening sequence. Like it sets up this really awesome sequence for you and then and then doesn't ultimately like get to that level again. But awesome other parts of this movie. Kevin Spacey, like you said, is great. Mm-hmm. He has some of the best lines that have just yeah. stuck with me. <laughs> like like some of the funniest lines um that I've laughed at in the theater this year. Um yeah, I uh, great movie, I would say. So overall, I, I'm looking at some of Edgar Wright's other films, and uh, it is currently the highest rated on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, one point above Shaun of the Dead, which is also one point above Hot Fuzz. Wow. Wow. Um, so yeah, looks like he's, he's got a lot of good stuff under his belt. I've seen a lot of these, too. Um and and one of my favorites is actually in Edgar Wright, and we had a we had a programmer here that did a, a whole show dedicated to Edgar Wright films oh, that's um, awesome. in wow. music. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm guessing that, like, is is it pretty common for his soundtracks uh, to really play a big role in the film? Because I know that that's the case for, 
for Scott Pilgrim, and uh, music plays a good role in Shaun of the Dead. And yeah, uh, music is central in this movie. Um, the baby has um, tinnitus, uh, which means he has kind of a ringing in his ear, mm-hmm. and so to to concentrate, to focus, he listens to his iPod constantly. One of the first shots that you see in the movie is him pulling out his iPod. He hits play, and then the song that you hear is actually you you understand that it's coming from his iPod. So we know that whenever we hear music in this movie, it's because it's the music he's listening to. So that really like puts us in his mind. And then there's a moment in the movie where his music is taken away from him. And that is oh, a jarring right. experience yeah. because oh. we're so used to hearing this awesome soundtrack for like an hour and a half, and then it's taken away. Very jarring when that happens. Um, so yeah, I think maybe more so than some of his other movies, music plays a huge role in this in this movie. The soundtrack is, is great. I mean, people have um, uh, assembled playlists of it on Spotify. You can go check out like, I, there might be an official collection uh, that you can go listen to, but yeah, great soundtrack. All right, so overall, good good stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. I'm Super looking, good. I'm looking forward to catching yeah. it in the red myself. Definitely. See um, <laughs> Stefan, do you want to explain catching it in the red? <laughs> well, while since since you brought it up, um, catching it in the red is uh, when when you miss a movie at a theater, so you have to you have to watch it via Redbox. And this is a term coined by. Uh, Redbox, correct? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> who, who did come up with this genius phrase? I did, brother. Yeah. <laughs> um, Trademark. Trademark, copyright. <laughs> so uh, speaking of catching it in the red, this next one um, is one that I only saw, and uh, I'll, I'll be brief about it. There's not much to say. Um, Despicable, Despicable Me 3. Um, yeah, there's not a lot to say. It's another Despicable Me movie. <laughs> Um, Moving on, <laughs> minions. <laughs> yep, even more, even more focus on minions than the previous two. Um, I never did see the minions movie. Yeah, that's um, okay. Is it? That's fine. Yeah. I yeah. saw the minions movie. Yeah. You can catch it on I Netflix. I don't know why I did. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I mean, I, I appreciate all the banana flavored stuff because of it. That's you know, that's my jam. But um, yeah, worst worst of the three, so it, not much to say about it. It's, it seemed like there was a huge emphasis on the villain based on the trailer. Like they they really highlighted him. Yeah, well, because it's kind of like a like a Batman thing where like each Despicable Me is going to be defined by wh- who the villain is, and um, that's really too bad because in this case the villain really brought the whole uh, brought the whole movie down. Mm, I think there there wasn't a lot redeeming about that character um so well still uh one of the top earners at the box office for the summer mm. i think it was in the top 10 yeah for sure yeah. And, lots and, of kids lots yep. of families <laughs> and i saw it with my my niece and nephew were in town and uh in general it kept their attention one of them still only three years old so of course he was <laughs> running around everywhere but it, it it did well enough i actually caught a movie this last weekend and we're in mid-September now, and uh, this was at the theater downtown, which has the most screens of any theater in town, and uh, they actually were showing Despicable Me 3. Really? Uh, as oh. of last Saturday. So I don't know exactly when it came out, but it seems like it's been several it's months. It's been now. over a month. Sometimes they um, will bring back certain kids' movies in the summer okay. as like a little event. Mm. Okay. So then like parents are like, oh, great, something to distract my children yeah. with. Let's go. <laughs> well, I, I, it was um, during the during the football game, oh, which is big here in Lincoln. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I could see the screen above the entrance to the theater. And, you know, it, it reads out the seats that are purchased that people are sitting in. And it seemed like a good, like, half of the seats were taken. So hmm. wow. pretty popular movie to Apparently. see on a Husker game day. Interesting. Yeah. Well, all right. Guess it's still doing well. I guess so. All right. The next one, this one's going to probably take up the largest chunk of time. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes, I saw this opening night. I saw it at Haley's Theater. Ayo. Ayo. <laughs> uh, went with uh, some friends and my fiance. Um, very fun experience. I mean, um, I was looking forward to this movie after seeing Spider-Man in the Captain America movie. Um, and overall, it lived up to my expectations. I mean, Tom Holland is just so fun. He's charismatic. Uh, I'd say it didn't have as much action as I expected it to, but I don't think it needed action. I I think it was more about um, the story of of Peter Parker learning about who he is and who he wants to be more so than than Spider-Man as a character. Um, There's some interesting things they do with Spider-Man's powers. Um, He's given some powers that I don't think we've seen on screen before, which is kind of cool. Um, I liked the supporting cast quite a bit. Um, yeah, a fun movie. Michael Keaton is in this movie. He is He's fantastic. Really great. He did so good. He's fantastic. He keeps getting these these bird roles. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> and, but man, there is a there is a scene in this movie. There is a a a reveal that we won't spoil again. Uh, that blew me away and everyone in my theater gasped out loud yeah, when it happened it it is one of the uh, most memorable movie experiences um of the year for me it's it's a scene i'm going to remember for a long time i i think i know which one you're talking about i think so um, too cuz it's I the one with out. the uh, a door opens yeah okay <laughs> we'll, we'll say that a door you need to a know. door opens oh you, that part yes. okay i'm the most memorable scene for me comes a few minutes after that. Oh, okay. Uh, and that was memorable, too. That's sort of a follow-up to the reveal yeah, we get. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, just tension-wise, um, <sighs> just showed us things that other Marvel movies haven't showed us. Um, compared to the, some of the older Spider-Man movies, I think it did enough different things that, that it was very fresh mm-hmm. that I appreciated. Yep. I think the big thing they were trying to do was to show that Spider-Man is just a kid, like he's a high school kid, whereas in the other ones, you didn't really get that feeling. You're just like, oh, he's like a punk-ass kid skipping school. Like, did he even graduate? (laughs) And in this movie, it shows him like trying to balance, you know, his friends, his school life, being Spider-Man, all this different stuff. And it also shows like the real dangers of being Spider-Man, even as a kid. So I thought they did a great job with that. I agree. Um, it's, it's definitely my favorite Spider-Man movie, and that's not to say that I didn't enjoy other Spider-Man movies. Um, I actually really liked the Amazing Spider-Man films. I did too. Um, with uh, with Andrew Garfield, and it's not just because like I have a crush on him either. <laughs> um, I thought they were great movies uh, on their own, but. Uh, yeah, one of I think the best scene in any of the movies I've seen this summer um, was was the scene I was alluding to in in the car. Yeah, and the car just, scene. Ooh, wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
and, and and that's a scene that doesn't even utilize superpowers or anything. It's it's a dramatic scene. It's a suspenseful scene that you just don't see in other Marvel movies. Um, yeah, I, it, it was powerful. And one of the things I think they said that really makes this stand apart from some of the other Spider-Man movies was that they didn't do an origin story, and that's that's something that yeah. they usually do. Um, well, that they did with uh, Andrew Garfield and with uh, Tobey Maguire. Um, in their films. So that's something that um, I think stands out and probably makes this a, a good Spider-Man compared to the other ones just because we, we know. We like, he got bit by a spider. <laughs> we get it. We know. <laughs> We've seen the story over and over. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think this was uh, one of the better movies I saw all summer and um, I'm looking forward to seeing more Spider-Man movies. His sidekick uh, if you want to call him that, he was like the chairman. <laughs> yeah, um, Ned. Ned was the character's name. The actor's name is Jacob Batalon, I believe. Uh, he was awesome. I, I mean, he was sort of like the audience surrogate in the movie. Mm. He's yeah. he provided a lot of the comic relief in the film. Um, he was really refreshing. I do think that this still suffers from the same thing that a lot of mov- Marvel movies suffer from, and that's um, Tony Stark. <laughs> like, not that I hate Tony Stark or Iron Man, but he's in all of them that aren't Iron Man movies. And so, okay, oh, so that's this true. so this is interesting because I was one thing I was worried about going into Spider-Man: Homecoming is is there going to be too much Tony Stark? What is the balance going to be like? Because mm-hmm. we know from the trailers, we know from um, the uh, Captain America: Civil War that he's going to be mentoring him. What's that going to look like? Uh, Tony Stark was in the movie for what I thought was an appropriate amount. It, yeah, there's a there's a point where uh, I believe Peter Parker goes, "Hey, f off, Tony! I'm gonna go do my own thing." <laughs> and he like he's not in the movie as much as I thought. That's he was right. Be, yeah, you know? no, that's it, true. Um, it's just I feel like they're always just trying to find a way to throw him in. And I know it's necessary for Spider Man, but they're always trying to throw him in there. Right. And like even to the point where like. Captain America Civil War felt yeah. more like an Avengers movie than a Captain America movie because of how much yeah, Tony true. Stark was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, that's that's my big critique of the the Marvel universe that's unfolding, but I'm I'm very excited about Spider-Man. I'm looking forward to more. Yeah, there will be more. Yep. All right, up next, we've got War for the Planet of the Apes. Oh, this is one I wanted to see so badly, yeah. <laughs> but it came out at a time when tons of other things were coming out and I just didn't get around to seeing it. Uh, I definitely need to catch this in the red. Talk yep. about it. Yep. Um, so I, I saw a little bit of your thoughts on it because I watched your yeah. um, YouTube video and I think that we have that we finally have some conflicting opinions a little Yay, bit. Bring um, it. <laughs> let me get my second bag of popcorn. <laughs> um, so, Pro, you go first. Oh, snap. Okay. So I really enjoyed this movie. I I would say it was probably one of my favorite movies of this summer, just because I'm really into special effects and things like that. And you could see all the work they put behind this. And there were also a lot of like interesting biblical themes throughout the whole movie which uh just i enjoy movies like that just because it really makes you think you know especially when you leave the theater and um yeah i i really enjoyed it i think i'm trying to think what i could say that i haven't already said before 
but um, I don't know. I'm kind of interested in hearing the cons because I do have some cons that I, I didn't say in my YouTube video. Okay. But um, So I saw it, and um, up until the day of, I hadn't seen any of the other new Planet of the Apes movies. Oh. Um, and so right before that movie, I saw Dawn of the Planet of the Apes um, for the first time. And then I went directly to War for the Planet of the Apes and, and missed the first one altogether. Um, and I didn't watch yeah, that until after. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you, you don't need it. There's yeah. like a couple references here and there mm -hmm. to um, the what's his name, but James Franco's character. Yeah. But no big deal. So um, I'm not saying that I disliked the movie, um, but I did. I had just seen Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and I was very surprised at how much I liked it because um, mm -hmm. I wasn't. I had low expectations about it. Um, and I ended up really, really liking Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I thought the story was good. I thought the acting was great. Um, and I thought it really helped build a world. Uh, and then I went to War for the Planet of the Apes. And like I said, not bad. Um, but I felt like compared to the other two, uh, it, it took the war to a gratuitous level. So you get to the end of War for the Planet of the Apes, and shit just gets nuts. It, 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 I thought it was a little too much, whereas Dawn of the Planet of the Apes felt um, believable. Like, yeah. it, it felt intense in the real way. War for the Planet of the Apes kind of, like, threw that away for the sake of, you know, a huge war that I, it felt less realistic to me. That is one thing that... I didn't totally understand about this movie was the fact that it's called War for the Planet of the Apes, but most of the time they're like in prison. Yeah. <laughs> like, it you're like, prison yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, maybe like the escape of the apes. Yeah. Like, that kind of rhymes. That could be cool. Well, there was that, there was <laughs> that game series. Ape Escape. Ape Escape. Yeah. yeah. Hey. <laughs> Video but game nerds. I think what really resonated with me was just. You could see, um, so Woody Harrelson, he plays, like, the bad guy, I mm -hmm. guess you could call him. And um, you can tell he's, like, super egocentric. He has, like, a huge god complex. He never says he thinks he's Christ, but I feel like he thinks he does, just mm -hmm. the way he talks about things and uh, certain things he did in the past. And um, so you're really able to see their point of view, that they think, like, these apes are an abomination, like, they shouldn't exist and it has like major like world war ii vibes and things like that so it was interesting seeing more of that side and then also i think the big point of this movie was to show like the legend of caesar who is like the lead ape so they made it very like biblical and there's like this huge exodus of the apes yeah i'm i'm glad that you like picked up on the biblical you know tones of the movie because i'm like even apart from you know woody harrelson's like blatant mm -hmm. you know <laughs> mentionings of of religion um there were very like you know moses oh, yeah. type stuff going on and um i i picked up on that as well and i'm i'm not even like super knowledgeable about 
biblical lore or anything either. Yeah, and they even, like, crucify some apes, and I'm just like, oh, shit. (laughs) Like, this is real. (laughs) Yeah, so I I did appreciate that, and um, I I liked that Steve Zahn was in it, you know? I know it's, like, the the cop-out character to like is Bad Ape, but... He um, was really good. I thought he was very good. He yeah. was so good. Also, just the the again the special effects, like with their faces. Yeah, and their expressions, I'll give you that. Especially since the first movie, like it's even improved since then, and Absolutely. it just blows my mind. Yeah, no, I'll give you that one for sure. Those those effects are very good. Um, so yeah, I I was happy to finally see the full trilogy. Um, I like all of them, um, but I still think Don is my favorite. Don was really good. I saw Don as well. I really enjoyed that one. I also missed Rise, um, but I do plan on catching up on all of them. Um, so to close out, um, I guess I would add one thing, is that the the twist toward the end um, was tragically uh, predictable Oh yeah, with Woody Harrelson. For, I was like, sure. oh, yeah, well, I'm so surprised that happened. But uh, I feel like they tried to fit in a lot of, like, ideologies in one movie mm-hmm. in a way like they <laughs> had some like you know christian symbolism J- jewish symbolism but they also had like themes about like climate change and things like yeah. that and i'm just like <laughs> okay guys like this it's is a lot, lot of ideas yeah to just throw in the end here oh uh, man so yeah overall i still liked it i it's a good movie yeah it i love i loved it for the most part yeah so. all right up next is you two dunkirk Yes, this is one of the movies I saw instead of uh, (laughs) War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, Saw this with a good friend of mine. Um, I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan. Like his, if you, I've tried to make a list of my top 50 movies before, and several of his films appear in that list. Memento, The Prestige, um, uh, Inception, love his films, Interstellar. Uh, so I was very much looking forward to this one, and honestly, I it blew me away. It was, um, I'd say he even kind of did something new for himself by doing this, I think he calls it a triptych story, this three-part story that you're seeing yeah. um, happen. One on the beach, one in the air, one at sea. Uh, very unique storytelling here. The use of soundtrack here is amazing. I mean, that you hear a clock ticking a lot of the movie. It, it really keeps the pace going. There's a lot that happens in this movie without dialogue in a yeah. really artful way. Uh, so much is communicated just by action. Um, very much enjoyed it. Uh, I know a lot of people had like loved it except for one or two really big gripes, but honestly... Um, for me, I, I think it was an awesome experience. Yeah, I totally agree. I didn't even notice the ticking until near the end where it just stops. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, crap, that was playing this whole time. <laughs> yeah. and I didn't even realize and I was giving, so used to it. It's giving you a sense of tension and you don't even mm-hmm. know it. It's subconscious. I think one of the greatest things Christopher Nolan is really good at is the fact that he, like, how do I explain this? He can show and not tell. Mm-hmm. And I think directors who do that are like the best. Yeah. Because, you know, how do you, I mean, how do you get us on the edge of our seats like that? And he found a way to do that. And it was just a super beautiful film also cinematically. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it just 
puts you in the scene. Also, I totally forgot Harry Styles from One Direction was in this movie, and I didn't even realize it was him until way later. I know. Because I, I was a little worried. I was like, um, is this going to be too distracting? Like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then I didn't even notice that was him for some reason. Like, he was actually very good. Yeah, Nolan kind of took a chance on him. And even if he had done a bad job, it would have worked because his character could have blended in with the other two guys he was hanging yeah. out with. But honestly, it worked really well. I don't. I, I read an article. I don't know if this is true, but I think Christopher Nolan didn't was like relatively not in the know about Harry Styles. Like, just didn't really know about him. And so, oh, I read of, that too, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, but so, a very interesting story there and how that played out. But I think um, it might be the sign of a future acting career from him, from Mr. Styles. I think he's supposed to be in some other things as well. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what they are, but I think one of them is actually supposed to be pretty prominent. So. Mm. Good for you, Harry. <laughs> uh, Moving on up. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed the whole cast. I don't think yeah. there was a weak one in the bunch. Um, Tom Hardy, again, very good with emoting with just his eyes again. Is he wearing, yeah, a mask? He wears a mask yeah. through much okay. of this movie. Um, his character, uh, his character Journey, I guess you could say, is um, was one of my favorites of the movie. Uh, Mark Rylance is great in this movie. I think this movie is going to be like, uh, like, um, there's going to be a lot of Oscar buzz mm. around this I movie. I, I can see cinematography um, oh, nomination sure. from this one. Soundtrack definitely. Uh, I'm excited to see um, what awards this one reaps. So I'm a little nervous about it because I'm I'm apparently not the biggest fan of Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of his movies. Um, that get a lot of buzz, and then I see him, I'm like, eh. Underwhelming. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's I, not for everyone. I, I felt that way. I do love The Prestige. I think that one's great. Yeah. But I thought, like, Inception and Dark Knight Rises were were underwhelming, and Interstellar even um, didn't, oh, Interstellar, right. didn't impress me the way that everyone else. Interstellar is a very hit-or-miss movie. Like, that movie's pretty polarizing, yeah. I found. Like, yeah. you, I've talked to people who love that film. I've talked to people who who abhor it. Yeah. Um, also, it's a war movie, and I, I tend to not enjoy war movies for no reason specific. I just sure. am bored, usually. Yeah. The, I mean... Again, this one's just unlike other war movies I've seen. I haven't seen a ton of war movies. I'm not an aficionado, but definitely different than what I've seen, and I appreciate different things. Um, I highly recommend it, honestly. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. All right. Up next, we've got some more garbage. Um, <laughs> Valerian. Let's talk about that one. Yes. Uh, this is another movie I saw instead of <laughs> War for the Planet of the Apes. Whoops. <laughs> I was excited for this movie based on trailers. Um, there was just a part of me that should have recognized that it would be bad, but <laughs> it looked so stunning to me, and I fell for it. I went to this movie. Um, it's probably my least favorite movie I've seen this year. Uh, so much hype, so much budget. Yeah. Um, this is a this is a franchise. Um, that originally started in in novels or books or comics that inspired Star Wars. So I heard about that. That kind of got me interested. And I I think that it is a baffling mix 
of really good visuals, Mm -hmm. a lot of budget on the screen. At all times, there is very impressive animation in this movie. Mm -hmm. There are there are moments with with screens and computers that are just in the background, and each of them has such a mind-blowing, complex thing going on on them. They didn't have to go that mile to do that, but they did. Um, the creatures in this movie just, like, look amazing. The opening sequence in this movie yeah. on, that takes place on a beach, just really beautiful. I mean, it's if you need to see this movie, you need to see it on a big screen just to see... The amazing things, but I think that's where um, what I applaud about this movie ends. Um, the casting, I had a huge problem with. Me too. <laughs> there was uh, so this movie stars Dane DeHaan as sort of our hero, and and he's supposed to uh, play this macho like uh, hero guy that has he's all these macho? all these notches <laughs> in his belt. He's experienced. <laughs> he he knows his way around the universe. And I just did not buy him for a second, for a second. Like, I think that was just not a a very inspired casting choice. Uh, And then uh, Cara Delevingne is in this movie, too, alongside him. And I I like her as an actress, and I think her character was written uh, more interestingly than than Dane DeHaan's. But I think her... As an actress, was she was kind of squandered. Like I feel bad for her. I think she could have done a lot more in this movie. Um, she's one thing that happens in this movie is, I, if I'm remembering correctly, both characters at some point get lost, and the yeah. other character mm-hmm. has to go find the other character. And we spend so much time in this movie looking for characters that are lost that at the end of it, you you kind of wonder why did we go on that yeah. <laughs> roundabout detour uh, ultimately for nothing. Like there's probably 30 to 45 minutes spent on stuff like that um, that I think could have just been cut out and you'd have a leaner movie that would be marginally better. Um, but other than that, I'm, I would not recommend this movie. Um, I just did not have fun with it. Ethan Hawke is one of my favorite actors, and I think his role in this movie, he plays a minor character that kind of just gets thrown away. I, I don't know why he was in this movie. And Rihanna is in this movie. Yeah, for, Rihanna. It, it, <laughs> it's, Stop. It's, it's a silly scene. It's it's a goofy movie. It's a yeah. really goofy movie that, that shouldn't be goofy. It takes itself so seriously in some places and then just is a cartoon otherwise. Yeah, I agree. I loved uh, The Fifth Element, mm-hmm. so I was really looking forward to this movie. And then, you know, it was just kind of like what you said. Like, the animation is amazing, and visually it's awesome, but then, like, plot-wise, it's just very disappointing. Yeah. And I'm very convinced that... what What's the lead guy's name? Dane, uh, Dane, Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan. I'm convinced he's like a knockoff uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, that is my <laughs> yeah. theory. Because earlier in the year, he was in this other movie that was like a knockoff Shutter Island. Yeah, A Cure for Wellness. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I never saw that, but I didn't see it for a reason because I was like, oh, it's like the same premise as Shutter Island. Like, mm. I don't need to see this again. And so I just feel like... They're they're just casting him because they're like, oh, you look like Leo in his younger days with baggier eyes and darker hair. You're not the first person I've heard <laughs> to say those things. Yeah, I mean, if you 
I really want to put a, a picture of them side by side <laughs> and sure just post it online. It. I'm yeah, sure people have done it. We got to look into that because <laughs> it's pretty stunning how similar they look. And also Cara Delevingne, I really like her as an actress, but yeah, I feel like she was kind of not great in this movie. I just think, yeah. a, I mean... Like I said before, you can't really hide bad writing. Exactly. So yeah, no matter how much money you throw at a project. It will always show. It will, definitely. <laughs> and the casting, if you have bad casting, that doesn't help either. And in the credits, they played a new original song from her, which is just a terrible oh, yeah. song. It is oh such a bad God, song. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. I, <laughs> I hate I it. Stayed, I stayed for the credits because I was with my buddy who, who likes to sit during the credits, so we're sitting there, and I'm going, man, this feels really forced. Like, like <laughs> hey, we need a song for the credits. Hey, I wrote a song. Okay, let's throw it in. Bah! If you watch the music video for it, it's just so cringy. Like, she's in, like, a suit, and she's all, like, you know, twitching her eyebrows. I was trying to be oh. cool, and I'm like, stop. Oh, the cringe is. Real. I'm like, this is not your journey. <laughs> like, just don't go there. When, oh, when you no. were watching the movie, were there were there times when, uh, like, the opening, uh, the opening sequence with Dane DeHaan and uh-huh. Cara Delevingne, when he's got that suitcase and he's in like the other dimension? Do you remember that? When when he's yes. trying to like, yep. that the logistics of that just weren't communicated well at all. Yeah. Like there were many times like that in the movie where there there were rules to what were going on, but they didn't do a good job communicating those rules. So I couldn't follow along. You know what I mean? I get what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Like like there there's this alternate um I'm probably using the wrong terms, but alternate dimension he can step into to evade these guys, but it happens so suddenly and without explanation that I don't understand what the limitations are, what the boundaries are for what he can do. A lot of things like that. It's just really muddy and messy and and just a mixed bag of weirdness, and I, I did not like it. All right. So before we move on, you mentioned the fifth element, um, just pointing out yes. that uh, Luke Besson, is that how you say Luke it? Besson. Yep. Luke Besson. Luke um, Besson directed both of those films, and so that that's where that connection comes yep. in, yes. just for those of you that, that, that don't know. Um, so yeah, overall, Valerian not recommended no. by no, the Cinema sorry. Roundtable. The Fifth Element. Yes. Watch that. And, watch, that and, watch that again instead. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, up next, let's talk about Detroit. This is another oh one that I missed. God. I missed it as well, <gasps> and I want to see it so badly. Tell you us about guys. it, Haley. Tell us about. Tell us how much okay. how big of losers we are. So this movie. I think we'll get Oscar buzz. I'm hoping it'll get Oscar buzz because it deserves it. It is, I want to say, almost three hours long. So it's it's a time commitment. Okay. But I think it's worth it. I think um, almost everything that's in this film is like necessary, unlike some other ones we've talked about where they're just filling time with this one. They're really building tension. Uh, do you guys like know what it's about? Um. I I actually have heard great things about this movie, so I kind of stayed away from previews and stuff because okay. I, I wanted to go into this one fresh. So I know it's um, Catherine Bigelow's next movie, yes. and I, I've followed a lot of her work, mm-hmm. but that's really all I know. So this film, I would say this film is like a thriller, basically. Okay. Like, um, you know, it's during the Detroit riots, and it's it takes place at this hotel and basically these 
cops who are, you know, clearly very racist, basically hold these people hostage. Uh, and it's like, I want to say four or five black people. And then there's like two white girls who just happen to be there. And they're like from other states who were like visiting for some reason. And so this movie says a lot about the time that this went on, about where race was and how many people just like turned a blind eye when they knew exactly what was going on in this situation. And, um, and it also shows like the trauma experienced after this all happens. So it touches a lot of bases and it doesn't turn it does this movie doesn't turn a blind eye on anyone involved like mm. it really calls out people and there's a lot of complex characters like one of the characters um played by um who is the guy from Star Wars uh John Boyega Yeah, John Boyega. He plays a black cop, so mm. obviously his situation's very different because he's just trying to help his fellow man and really trying to make sure they don't get shot because like during these whole riots, I mean, black men and women were being shot left and right basically with not a lot of consequence afterwards for the cops. So this whole time he's in this situation kind of trying to protect them, but also he's involved with the police. So he's seen as a villain in their eyes and he's had to live with that his whole life since then. And there's just a lot of complexity in each character and what they're personally going through and also just like how messed up these cops were like and how it could have totally been avoided I think that's the thing that made people upset the most was that um you know people knew that this particular cop who kind of facilitates this whole messed up thing uh like there's proof that he is a racist cop and his superiors did nothing to stop him previously. And if they just did that, it could have been avoided, but it wasn't. So but. how, how does John Boyega do in this film? Because I saw, another, I caught another movie in the red, uh, recently. Um, and it was a terrible movie, but he was oh, in no. it and he was one of, <laughs> he was one of the better parts. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to complete a complete, you know, picture yeah. of, What's John Boyega going to be in the future? I think he was really good in this movie. I mean, he... Like I said before, his character is very complex. It has many different sides to his character. And I thought it did a good job of just showing what he personally was feeling and going through. Because I think sometimes you can watch a movie and you're not really in their same headspace. Whereas in this movie, you're really able to like empathize with each character almost. Uh, so yeah, I think he did really great in this movie, personally. All right, so uh, we're, we're running long on time. I'm gonna bring up one more um, before we start to wrap things up. Um, and I know that Haley, this is another one that only you saw. Do you wanna talk about Dark Tower a little bit? Oh no, Dark Tower. <laughs> I didn't like it. Straight up. Okay, so I I went to see this on a whim because I work at the movies so I can see them for free. So I was like, nothing's out. Let's go to Dark Tower. Yeah. I've never read the book. I, didn't, I knew it was a Stephen King novel. That's it. I mean, I just think it could have been so much better. Like, the actual plot and story of it is really interesting once you learn about it throughout the movie. But 
the way it was executed was just kind of meh. <laughs> like, uh, and Matthew McConaughey, I really wanted to like him, but his character was just kind of dry. And I feel like this movie would have been way better if they made it more as like a horror film, like a scary movie, rather than just something you can take your kid to if mm. you feel like they're up for a PG-13 <laughs> movie. <laughs> like That's kind of the, the type of movie this was. And I honestly, I kept nodding off. Like, I kept falling asleep. So uh, that's never great. Yeah, I haven't heard <laughs> good things about it. No. I, I have no interest in seeing it. I haven't read the books or yep, anything. All of our, all of our s- internet scores are really low as well. I um, would skip it, honestly. Like, okay. if they had done this, like, in a more scary way, I think it could have been way better. But they mm-hmm. decided to make it, like, kitty combo, hmm. <laughs> like, status. Okay. So. Interesting. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up around there. I uh, hate to end on a bad note, but uh, <laughs> um, we're, we're already over our estimated time. Okay. So um, we there's a lot of other movies late in the summer and uh, earlier this month that have come out that we've all seen already. Um, but we'll have to save those for, for another time. Um, we can do a uh, maybe um, catch up on all those other ones on our next yeah. episode. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, so we'll this this is uh, Cinema Roundtable. We'll be back uh, once every month, and uh, next month we are we're going to start feature films. Um, we're going to feature one film for for each episode. Uh, this is just our inaugural you know podcast, so we're looking at summer movies, you know, just to really kick it off with a bang. But next month we'll be looking at Blade Runner. 2049. 2049. Yes. Um, so we're we're all pretty excited about that. We'll be talking about Blade Runner 2049. Uh, we'll probably talk about the first Blade Runner too. So uh, if we haven't seen that in a while, do we'll, your homework. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll watch that one as well. I saw it within the last like three months, so it's still pretty fresh in my mind. Yeah, I, I need to watch seen it, it again since I was like a child. So. Oh, go back it's and watch it. It's been a long time. Go back and watch it. <laughs> I watched it, but like everyone was talking, and I was like, okay, well, okay, <laughs> whatever. You do need to watch yep. it. Yep, yeah. um, but I have it, so if you need to borrow it, you, I, I've got that for you. Um, so yes, be sure to join us next time on Cinema Roundtable when we talk about the uh, the uh, Blade Runner 2041. 49. 49. <laughs> <laughs> 41 was a good one though I, I will admit. <laughs> good year <laughs> Very good. good year that Top one shelf. <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody we'll be back next time this episode was recorded in the studios of kzum 89.3 in lincoln nebraska you can find out more about kzum and listen to more episodes of cinema roundtable by visiting kzum.org music in this episode is by rommel reyes 